Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. First Thessalonians chapter 3, chapter 3, and starting with verse number 2. The Bible says, And sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. But now when Timotheus came from you unto us, and brought us good tidings of your faith, and charity that ye have good remembrance of us always desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you again Christian maturity continuing this morning for a little while let's pray together father I come to you today I'm asking God that you would anoint my mind and you'd anoint my lips help us Lord this morning as we again Lord concentrate upon your word I know Lord Jesus God that there's instruction there there's help there God, that you would just enlighten us, God, by your spirit today, God, both, Lord, in the pulpit and in the pew, Lord, that there would be an inner working, Lord Jesus, among us today. Lord, we'll thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you accomplish in this house. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen. Church, say amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor. Tell them how glad you are that they're in God's house, how glad you are to see them. Amen. Be sincere if you can. Christian maturity. Glad to see Jessica with us this morning. Walk in. She walked in Friday night too. They were having youth and I had such the esteemed honor and privilege of being a part of youth night Friday night since Brother Mason was kind of out of commission. And so I guess we had some fun. Amen. Uh, being there. So First Thessalonians, the book of Thessalonians, the book of Thessalonians, First Thessalonians 3 in particular, the Apostle Paul, of course, at this time, this is a, this is a church, uh, the Thessalonian, the Thessalonica church is a church that he established. He established many churches. Paul was uh, what we, we would consider a modern-day missionary. He established many churches, but uh, the Apostle Paul, after having established this church, and you can read perhaps where establishment came to pass in Acts 16, uh, whenever there was one of Macedonia that cried, come help us, he seen the vision, and so he went uh, to help there, particularly at a place called Philippi. But uh, Thessalonica would uh, sooner or later become to be the capital of Macedonia. So in that area, uh, Paul would be, and no doubt establish this church uh, that was there. And as he did oftentimes through the epistles in his writing, after establishing a church, it's one thing to get another st- one thing started, it's another thing to see it through. 
And so going from place to place, establishing churches, he would oftentimes write them letters or whenever he had opportunity to return to those churches to see how they are faring, how they are uh, conducting themselves and continuing with what he had first originally spoke to them, indoctrinated them with. But at this particular time in Paul's life, Paul is unable to get to Thessalonica, and so he has sent an ambassador in so many words. He has sent his son in the gospel. He has sent Timothy to go check on uh, the church at Thessalonica. And so Timothy is going to go. He's going to uh, do a report, if you will, on the church and see how they are faring, and he is going to return unto the apostle Paul with the news. And it's very important, I believe, and this is going with our Christian maturity that we started from uh, 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 from first, Second Timothy, rather, Second Timothy 1, 5, whenever. And let me just go back there just to refresh your mind real quickly of Second Timothy 1, 5. When we're talking about Christian maturity, you'll remember uh, that we start with, with our faith, but there are certain things added to our faith that causes us to mature. Amen. So Paul sent Timothy in verse number 2. And his reason and purpose for sending Timothy, yes, I now remember where I was. For sending Timothy was to check up on the welfare. I don't know, I've been doing that here lately with this thing on. The welfare of the church, if they are continuing in what they were started in. In Christian maturity, as we said, they started with faith, their values, their belief systems, their doctrines and dogmas, and they would add to those things a list of things you can read of in Second, Second Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 5, things such as virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and lastly, charity. And so he, he goes and sends Timothy uh, for two primary reasons spoken of in verse number 2. He sends him... That, that he might establish the church, establish them, and secondly, to comfort them concerning what? Their faith. He sends Timothy, says, Timothy, I want you to go. This is what I relayed to them whenever I first went. He says, but uh, I want them not just to have an a elementary start here, but I want them to be established in their faith. And I want you to comfort them concerning their faith. I want them to understand that what they are doing and, 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 and the approach and the walk that they are walking, that this is indeed valid. This is indeed true. So he goes on, though, in speaking to the believers, understanding that there are moments in time in our life that we can be moved from the faith or even be moved in our relationship with God. He wants Timothy to do this thing, establish them in the faith and comfort them concerning their faith, he says that in verse 3. This is the reason why I want you to do this, Timothy, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. Paul's not ignorant. He knew afflictions were going to come. They call themselves a body of people or they call themselves a church. Afflictions are going to come. Said at different portions in Scripture, you know, we through much tribulation enter into the kingdom. Jesus even comforted the disciples. He he told them that, you know, in this life you may have some heartache and tribulation, turmoil, just using a variety of words. He said, but be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. 
He says, so you're, you're going to have these things. He says, so, so he says, you, you reassure and reestablish their faith and comfort them concerning their faith, that very beginning place of origin, so that they're not moved, so that they don't waver, so that they are not just like tossed with the wind whenever afflictions come. For he says, for yourselves know that we are appointed. Isn't it amazing? We are appointed thereunto. We have uh, you know, we, many times, people of all times, sometimes I should say, uh, in funeral services, you know, we're appointed once and to die. We all have an appointment with death. But likewise, there's some other appointments on your calendar. Not only is there a certain day, uh, a year, month scenario of your death that's appointed on the calendar that you might not be privy to, but there are other appointments on there for whenever afflictions enter and leave in your life. Wouldn't it be great to know when those appointments are? to take vacation then <laughs> but he says that we're appointed unto affliction we have appointments with affliction and so that alone should be able to tell us that every affliction that comes is not solely the, the, the underscoring and making of our adversary some of the affliction that enters our life are divine appointments by the master for affliction to enter our life and in this I believe is a little comfort as a reader in modern day to understand the un, my life's afflictions that, that we have an appointment with afflictions. It, 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 you know, it kind of takes a little the edge off whenever it comes that, you know, maybe this is one of God's appointments for me in my life. Or perhaps be able to view it like that. Maybe God has appointed this for me right now. And he goes on in verse number five. He says, for this cause, he said, I could no longer forbear. In other words, I had to, I had to check on you. I had to know how you was doing. He said, I sent to know about, about your faith. I had to know how that was doing. He said, lest the tempter, the devil, the slewfoot, your adversaries come in and, and tempted you and somehow we would labor in vain. In other words, Paul was concerned for the saints at Thessalonica that he once established. He wanted to know how they would fare or how they would react throughout their afflictions. So they have, I know they're going to have these divine appointments, but I'm just interested since the time I've been there and I've left, I know they've probably, some of them had some appointments with affliction. He says, and I'm just interested to know, how are you all doing? How are you doing with that? Uh, how, how, you know, what, what has been the reaction? Has, has that caused you want to uh, separate from the faith? Okay, or has that caused you to want to embrace the faith perhaps with that much more vigor? I know some of you face tribulation. I just want to know, how are you all faring? And evidently, Paul was interested in this, having established various churches, various places, perhaps because he had witnessed people that had moved away from the faith after affliction or have gave up during or after affliction, the trials and tribulation. And so as you would want to, if any person, if you don't understand that we all meet these and we have divine appointments with these, if you go through it and don't have knowledge of any of that, you can begin to wonder that you're the only one. I'm the, I'm the only one. This only happens, this only happens to me. Seriously. And you can be swallowed by the idea that something only happens to you. You can in life, in church, whatever, you can be swallowed by an idea that you're the only one that experiences that. And sometimes we help fan our own flames. Because we could probably, I know we could do this, we could probably raise our hands some more different ones that throughout the time of your life that's ever had uh, uh, the flu, whether it be 
what they call the stomach virus or what it would be the influenza, the actual upper respiratory thing. We could have hands raised, but I could probably guarantee you this. this well, you better be glad no lightning came out of the palms of my hands. I'm telling you right now. I won't rub them together again. You're just getting charged. <laughs> one, thing, one thing is for certain. Nobody's had it as bad as you've had it. <laughs> that's right that is the essence of humanity it's it's his truth if, if you if you had you know if you had 103.4 you know fever for seven days someone else had 103.5 fever for seven days it's just the way we are as humanity you, you, we tend to believe that no one if they per se in this example sickness no one had it as bad as you had it. right i mean that's the way we are that if we're experiencing a certain dilemma nobody's had per se the exact dilemma you had well let me tell you out of six billion people there's a lot of episodes that could probably cross over and had pretty similar stuff had some pretty but that's the way we are but in this life of affliction where we believe that we get to believe in that i'm the only one that's experienced just this exactly like it is and to the degree that it to the degree that it is, then we get swallowed up by that idea. And so Paul's just taken away the burden of that from the church's shoulder. Because he says, I want you to know, I've established churches a lot. Corinthians, they have afflictions. Ephesus, they have afflictions. Galatians, they have afflictions. He says, you're all going to be appointed for some mode of afflictions. And so the idea is that are we or are we not going to have afflictions? He says, the idea is this. How are you going to react to your afflictions? So the basis of the matter isn't some having some and some not having some. It's about how we react, he said, to the afflictions. And more importantly, how we react to what was first given us, our faith concerning our afflictions. Are we going to fault faith for what we're going through? Or are we going to hang it up on faith concerning what we're going through? And so whenever he's considering this, he's considering then again, you know, their faith and these afflictions. I used this, I think it was just a few services ago, and I just kind of hit it real quickly, but I wish to read it uh, sincerely this morning. Psalms 140 and verse 12, David in his prayer, he, he, said, he said, I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted. And the right of the poor. In other words, the cause for the affliction is under the maintenance of the hand of God. The reason behind the afflicted or the affliction is under the hand of God. He is ordering all this. He's maintaining all of this. It goes on to say in Proverbs 24 and verse 10, just a few verses here, Proverbs 24 and 10, the Bible says, if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Paul could get a gauge of the Thessalonian church by seeing how they responded to their affliction and their adversity, knowing that if they fainted, they gave up, they threw, threw away some of these things during their moment of adversity and affliction, he knew that their strength was still infantile. It was still small. It was still very much so in the development type of stage. The Bible also says in Psalms 119 and verse 67, Psalmist says, before, everybody say before. before. B 
before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept my words before I was afflicted. So perhaps one of the reasons why the Lord sets up appointments of affliction for our life is because affliction, according to how we respond, has a way to getting us back on track. I would dare to say the ultimate ultimate, uh, priority and motive of the master for affliction is for our response would be to get us back on track. And so David says, before I was afflicted, honey, I was going off on a tangent. I was going off left field. I, I was kind of, if I could say it like this, I was, I was kind of disembracing some of the faith. He said, but after affliction came, it, it brought course correction for me. It brought course correction for me. And after affliction, after affliction, he said, but now I've kept your words. After afflictions entered my life and left my life, now now I'm keeping your words. And so I begin to get a little bit of understanding. Sometimes affliction enters my life to get me back on track. It enters my life to somehow steer me again to, to that more original place of where I was when I first received the faith. Affliction. So God does that sometimes. And I'm thankful that he does. So don't ever pray that he takes all the affliction out of your life. Because that might cause you to be going in a strayed mode and continue to do so without affliction to come to bring that road in your life that'll steer you back to the right path. Amen. Because sincerely, how many times have people just seemingly, and it, it, again, it is a mode of humanity, that it seems like prayer gets increased when you're going through something. Sincerely. You get yourself in a spot, Man, you start, you really start to, you talk to God. You may always talk to God, but it's something about whenever affliction enters your life, you, you have more conversations with God than what you normally have. There might be more tears that fall from your face. You see then how affliction can draw you back to a path of where you should be with God? Because whenever you start talking to God more, he starts talking to you more, and you draw nigh to him, and he draws nigh to you, and what, what happens? All of a sudden, man, I'm, whew, I'm back on the right path. Because affliction entered my life. Or it enters, enters the life. It don't have to enter you particularly. Maybe it enters someone that's connected to you, one of your family members. Sometimes it may not be you particularly, but it may be one of your family members. And as a result of that, you know what? You're not going to miss service now. I'm in distress. David said, when I was distressed, I cried to the Lord. He was on his way to church whenever he was in distress. Sometimes and people react to different ways. They either stay away from church or come close to church. But God's motive is that they would come. And so he uses all these things. What's happening, man? Prayer's increasing. I'm, coming, I'm not missing a service because I got bad things happening in life right now. Seriously. So he does all these things. And what are you doing, God? He said, I'm just, I'm just keeping you close to the faith. I'm just keep, keeping you to that, that place of origin. Amen. And then the Bible goes on in Thessalonians. And we see one of the means in which he checks on them is that he might have a report upon the saints Faith. He wanted to know about their faith. He didn't want the enemy to have an upper hand in their lives. He wanted the people, he didn't want the people to forsake their experience that, that they had with God when Paul first came there. And in verse, verse number six, the Bible says that whenever Timothy came, came back unto Paul, said he brought him good tidings concerning the church's faith and charity. Look at this their faith and their 
charity. Now, do you remember back in 2 Peter 1, 5, that list that you added firstly to what you already had, your faith, and then you go through all these virtues and the capstone or the ending of them was what? Charity or love. Paul says, man, I got good, call it great, call it awesome tidings. I got some tremendous tidings. He says, not just concerning your faith, where you began, but the very last in the list of the virtues, charity, your love. Why is Paul calling that good times? Because if I'm getting good report about your faith, what everything's hung on, what everything's added to, but also love, the last trait of the list. He says, then that's telling me everything in between. Temperance, patience, virtue, brotherly kindness. All these other things must be in a proper and good standing because one is just added to the other. Love is the last thing that's added to these lists. So if the faith is good, the beginning's good, and the capstone love is good, everything in between must be good. You all doing good, even in spite of your afflictions that's been appointed unto you. Man. Paul was speaking of a very strong church here that's established in their faith, their virtue, their knowledge, their temperance, their patience, their godliness, their brotherly kindness, their charity. Amen. Their love. Whenever he seen their love, he, if he could see love, he could see a condition then of all those other things that fall underneath love. That love is ultimately added to. The Bible tells us concerning their faith that Paul was comforted in verse 7 by their faith. <laughs> and he just basically says in so many words in verse number 9 is that we're thanking the Lord because this is just an answer to prayer. So this is an answer to prayer. Not that I just see your faith. I, we started that. He said, but that you have love. That means that you've grown from where you've been. That means you've matured from a state of infancy to a place that you've aged a little bit. You've matured in the spirit so that there would be something that would be able to denote your love. You've matured. You've grown. See, that's what we've been praying for. For that matter, that's what we're going to continue to pray for. He said, what are we going to pray? We're going to pray for whatever is lacking in your faith will be perfected. He says, you, you got love and no doubt you have all these to a certain degree. He said, but we're going to ask those things to reach their height their height that they can reach, the, the greatest amount that they can reach in your life. We're going to pray that they would materialize to the greatest that they can. Amen. Because in all those areas, you might have a certain degree, but we're asking that the Lord would increase the intensity of all those things in your life. That all that temperance and that patience, all these other things, if there's any lacking, I mean, you know, you have certain levels, you know, you, you temper, you kind of on again, off again, you know, but we're going to ask that that just becomes more vibrant, that you have more times being on than you do all. Amen. That'd be perfected. That'd be completed in your life. And so he tells us in verse 12 what his present day prayer then is for them. The present day prayer then for the Thessalonica church was to increase and abound in love. Amen. What's so important about that, Brother McGee? Because in order to increase and abound in love, you probably increase and abounded in those other things starting from faith on through. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, the great love chapter, 
1 Corinthians 13, 13, and now abide of faith, hope, charity, which is love. The word charity there is agape, the agape love of God, the unconditional love. But the greatest of these is charity. The greatest. Faith, hope, and charity, but the greatest is charity. Now, pastor, over weeks gone by, and you talking about the maturity of you, you're talking about how, how important the faith is. It is important. We've established that because everything else that's added to that and hung on that. Well, what, what, is, what is so great about love? Because love, again, is the end of the road, is where the, the Christian maturity level is met. And so the greatest is love because when you've reached love, you have reached that level of Christian maturity, that capstone, all these other virtues. It's based upon just a few things. Love's the greatest because it is the capstone. It is that final thing. And to have love indicates a grasp then of the other virtues spoken of in 2 Timothy 1.5. But having love is being the greatest since also that scripture tells us that God, not that he has love or it's attribute of love, but God is love. And so there's no greater virtue than that than to be able to show forth love. And as a matter of fact, whenever you begin to read through the love chapter of 1 Corinthians 13, you read through that chapter, you begin to read everything concerning charity, what charity is, what charity does. And whenever you begin to read through that chapter, you begin to discover some of the very virtues. Yeah, that's between faith and love. Consider, if you will, 1 Corinthians 13 says that love suffereth long. It also says in that chapter that love endureth all things. Love does. Well, you know what? Enduring all things and suffering long equates a lot for me. Patience. Patience is one of the virtues between faith and love. Love's the greatest. Because whenever you get to love, love can be patient because patient had to be somewhere along the line before love was ever added to it. Amen. Look at the list of 1 Corinthians 13. He, it also says kind. Love is kind. What was right before charity in 1 Timothy 1.5? Brotherly kindness. That's all right, sister. Brotherly kindness. Look. The Bible also says in 1 Corinthians 13, love does not behave unseemingly or unseemly. What's that tell me? Temperance. Is that right, Bridget? Bishop? Temperance. Love's the greatest. Love's the greatest because it has in all these things because it's the last added it's the capstone of Christian maturity love can have behave unseemly because along the line temperance was added and later on love's added to the temperance so love's going to be temperate love's going to be virtuous if we're looking at everything between that and faith love's going to be godly Look at the list continuing in 1 Corinthians 13 it says that love rejoiceth in truth Godliness. Amen. Godliness. Love is not easily provoked. Temperance. You see what I'm talking about today? Insomuch that 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 2, I think I had it up there for you, Sister McGee, and I'll be mindful of time because I know we had our praise break. 1 Corinthians 13, 2. 
The Bible says, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, knowledge was one of those things in the virtues. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. So we begin to understand then we do want to move from a position of just faith to a position of love. We do want to metamorphosis and grow from just a position of faith to a position of charity and love. He said in the setting of scripture where he spoke how there was faith and there was, there was hope and there was love. Just probably a couple verses above that. He was speaking in the scripture in the context of this in a setting that, that whenever I was a child, spoke as a child, I thought as a child, uh-huh. Let me, let me just find it just to read it just for the sake of it. I don't know if I had it up there. I don't. It's okay, sis. I got it. Bible says in verse number 11, 1 Corinthians 13, 11, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, what happened? They matured. I put away childish things. And so in the context of this idea of moving from childish things, infantile things, growing to then manhood, I became a man, is this setting that love is the greatest. Because love is apprehended whenever you get to the point of not being a child, but becoming a man, becoming mature, becoming grow, grown in your, in your, your disciplines of, of being a Christian. Full maturity is an exercise of love. <laughs> That's the reason why whenever Jesus was speaking to others, he said, by this shall you know my disciples, that they have love one to another. So that, that is, that is the, 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 the big star, if you will, on their portfolio is that they have love because if they have love, everything that trinkles below that then must be to a certain degree present there as well because love gets added to these other things. It is the capstone, if you will, of the Christian maturity. And he thought of this so much. So he's in, we're in the setting of talking about gifts. Man, you talk about gifts of prophecy, interpretation of tongues, all these spiritual gifts. And what he basically tells us this you can, have, you can have all nine spiritual gifts, but if you don't have love. In other words, spiritual gifts doesn't necessarily denote maturity. Amen. Amen. He says, we need, we need love. And he says, so with this in mind, he tells in the church at Corinth, if you look at 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, he's just continuing with his flow of thought. Again, we, we, we've had all these decisions, these divisions of chapters and such. He continues with a flow of thought. He says, follow after charity. Mm -hmm. Follow after love. I like the way the Amplified Bible uh, translated that in 1 Corinthians 14 1. He says, eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim. Make it your great quest. Love. Make that your aim. Make that your pursuit. Make that your great quest. Because from faith, if you're pursuing love along the journey, you're going to pick up knowledge. You hear me? You, you, don't, don't make your, you know, if, you, if your destiny, if your destiny is, is, is Lake City, Florida, and if we're going to go by 
I-24, that direction, you're going to pick up on Chattanooga. You hearing me? Uh-huh. You, you, there's other things by virtue of what your go destiny is you're going to pick up on. So don't make your go just temperance because you'll leave out the other things that should be added after temperance comes. Make your go love. And if your goal's love along the journey in that trajectory, you're going to pick up knowledge. You're going to pick up virtue. You're going to pick up brotherly kindness. You're going to pick up temper. You're going to pick up godliness. As long as love is the ultimate goal, you're going to pick up all those other things along the way. But if you cast a short vision, you're going to not mature the way that we need and ought to mature. We'll fall short of something. Amen. Go on, stand with me today. I'll go on here and close up. So Paul says, I want to know how the church is doing. Well, where do you place the thermometer when you want to know how those church, that church is doing? He said, well, I'll place it in the mouth of that faith. He said, but lo and behold, I have great good tidings. I got a thermometer in faith and in charity that tells me that they're still well established, but they've grown from where they are to where they need to be. Amen. And so I know then, being the apostle Paul, that from there to there, they've picked up on a laundry list of other things that's going to be vibrant within their church. And you know what? They did all of this with little red calendar appointments that said affliction, trouble. Distress, heartache, sickness, the washer went out, the car broke down. Two people got disgruntled. Yeah. You tell me you can make a journey like that with affliction? Yeah. Have you ever had a flat tire on the road on your way to somewhere? <laughs> you know, it, I've had a few. When we, you know, blowouts and blew out my fender yeah, whenever we traveled, you know. You know what? We just mend whatever needs to be mended with the difficulty. And we still made it our destination. Not every affliction in your life has to somehow disrupt your end destiny. Amen. It's according to how much you, how much you maximize on that. I got a nail in the tire. Well, let's get a hotel. We're going to have to spend the night. Seriously? No. You don't have to do that. Let's just take care of that thing. And let's just go on. Because my goal is not right here where the affliction stopped me. My goal is not right here where the trouble disrupted. My goal is still love that's out there. And there's still some things I need to pick up along the way concerning love. Let's bow our heads in this place this morning. God, I'm aspiring for that, Lord. God, I aspire for that place of love. God, in this Christian walking journey, Lord, and if I understand you correctly, you're maintaining the cause of my affliction. And I have, Lord, affliction, trouble, appointments, God, upon my life. God, all of us do. All of us do. None of us are escaped that. You somehow just put them on us. You know, you've given us that little card of affliction, of appointment. We don't know when it is. But God, I know it. sometimes it's just part of the process to keep me on 
the right path. It's not really there to deter me. I've, I've misinterpreted it sometimes, Lord. Your motive for it, if it comes from you, your motive for it is to put me back where I need to be, is to help me continue on my journey, not to de- be deterred or distracted, but to continue on my journey. So uh, mostly, God, that I can grasp a hold of the love that love that is patient, that love that is kind, that love that the Lord does not rejoice, Lord Jesus, in, in Lord, anything that's false, but rejoices in truth, godliness, Lord. I pray, God, today, Lord, let our faith and our charity, our love, God, if you were to do a report upon our individual lives or if you were to send someone to do a report on the life of the church, let the report come back this way. God, that their faith... And their love are established. God, let that be a smile, Lord, that will be brought to your face knowing that where they have started, they've not just continued in that, but they've matured, Lord, to a position of love and have picked up all these things along the way. God, I know, Lord, that that would make your heart, God, your mind at ease, Lord, you, you thankful, Lord Jesus, for a people that's just staying with the course, staying with the path, staying with the way. Hallelujah. Let's just sing a little song, of course, this morning. These altars are open for whomsoever. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.